Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. We're, if you haven't noticed uh, yet, we're slowing down quite a bit as we hit Hebrews chapter 11. We were kind of taking a little larger passages as we've worked our way through Hebrews, and now we're going we're gonna to slow down a bit. Um, the resounding message of Hebrews is that uh, Jesus is, is superior. He is supreme over all. And um, that being a central focus of the book of Hebrews then, built upon that, is a, a call to believers to persevere in their faith, understanding that, um, that really all believers to some degree, but especially, specifically here to the Hebrews, um, they were having to endure some persecutions and sufferings specifically related to their faith in Christ. And so there was a call to persevere in light of who Christ is and what he's done for them and the sustaining power of Christ in their life. And um, in this message, obviously, has a lot to do with us today because if we are completely um, submitted to, to the Lord, if we are people who are walking by faith in him, then we're also going to be a people that, at least in, to some measure, will, will experience some form of pushback from the world that we live in. And um, the, more we, the more we promote the name of Christ, the more pushback we're going to receive. And uh, that can look a lot of different ways, um, but it's something that we should be prepared for and something that the scriptures call us to persevere through. And... Um, to not be discouraged, and to not, not set aside our faith in Christ in the midst of that. To always count the cost of uh, what we give up in order to serve Christ as, as being worth it. That we have that same perspective of Paul that said, you know, all these things in the world that I stand to gain, my reputation and my resume and worldly stuff, I, I, it's trash to me compared to knowing Christ Jesus and that we would share that perspective of Paul until we reach heaven. So we encountered the first few verses here, a couple verses last week. Um, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And then this week, we're going to focus in on verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I think this, this, uh, this verse 3 has a significant part to play in our call to uh, persevere as believers in our faith in God. And, and my hope is as we go through this today that you will be thoroughly convinced of that as well. Now, I gave you a kind of a working definition, especially as it relates to Hebrews, for the word faith. Now, faith does get used. Uh, sometimes it's a little more uh, in Scripture. Sometimes it is a little bit more bent to uh, that um, uh, mental understanding, intellectual understanding. But most of the time in Scripture, when faith is referred to, almost every time, it's referring to something that is life-transforming. Uh, a confidence that we have that affects everything about who we are. Really, every time faith is used in Scriptures, it, it has to do with that. Sometimes it's a little bit more 
contextually speaking to just uh, grasping some things uh, from our understanding, but always pointed towards action. And so I gave you a working definition last week of uh, faith is hope and reliance in Christ's word and work being lived out on our way to heaven. Um, I think we have, do we have that slide put up there? There you go. Faith is, is uh, um, hope and reliance in Christ's word and work being lived out on our way to heaven. And it's uh, faith as presented to us in the scriptures is not just something that we grasp mentally. It is something that affects every fiber of who we are. That we have a, a conviction at the soul level of who God is and that causes us to live a certain way. And, um, and, and we're right here at the beginning of what we're going to move into in future weeks here is a, 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 a list of examples of people who lived that way in Hebrews chapter 11 who set the example for us of a people who lived uh, by hope and reliance in Christ's word and work. And, um, and that's the people that we're called to be like here in Hebrews. The examples of their faith are given to us for the reason of encouraging us and, and helping us to persevere. And faith in Christ, it's, it's more than just that belief in the mind. It's that conviction of the heart, mind, and soul. And um, it directs our thoughts and our actions and our words, our hopes, our dreams, everything. James chapter 2, verse 18, uh, I don't think I put it up here for you guys, but uh, James is, is answering the question about faith and works here in this part of his, of his letter. And he says, uh, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So James is making the, the point there in his letter that, that faith is, and works, they, they, are, uh, they are connected. They are intimately connected. They, in fact, they're inseparable. Um, our faith leads us to take action. And so in such a way, we're called to live by that hope and reliance in Christ and His work. Now, what does verse 3 have to do with this call to persevere? Well, it has... Uh, it has a great deal to do with it, I believe. Um, you know, Christ, Christ is faithful. He's trustworthy. He's all-powerful. Uh, he's he's all-knowing. Um, he is God, so He's everywhere present. Our heavenly advocate, our earthly help, um, who loved us so much, as, uh, as Alicia was sharing, loved us so much, that passage in Isaiah, that He was willing to lay His life down to ransom ours. We know He is faithful. We see His great love for us. Christ is also eternal God. He, he had all the rights of being God, and yet He willingly took upon human flesh. W- willingly submitted Himself to His own creation. That He took on a body like you and me. He was a human that he experienced all the things that it means to be human, tempted like us, enduring suffering like us, and yet without sin. 
and so became then our perfect sacrificial lamb. First Peter chapter two echoes the passage that um, that Alicia read for us today. It says, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you. Interesting, uh, Peter's actually talking here in the, in the context about believers going through suffering. He says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the Savior that loves us, who gave himself for us, that we have come to believe in, to place our faith in. But we also, along with His sacrifice, we need to understand that not only is He our Savior who gave Himself a sacrifice for us, but He is Creator God. He is righteous judge. He is holy, holy, holy. He is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. John chapter 1, he, John starts out his gospel account with that, actually, so that we all are oriented as John goes through his gospel to acquaint us with the truth of Christ, who he is, to reveal our Savior and Lord to us. He begins at the beginning. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. This is really a foundational kind of uh, orientation for us. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's setting due north for us. And just establishing right here in the outset that Jesus Christ, who is getting ready to be revealed to us as, as the Word become flesh and dwelt among us and given His life for us a sacrifice, is first revealed as Creator of all things. So before Abraham was, he says, I am. In John's Gospel, where Jesus reveals himself as the eternal one, the sovereign one, the same God who was present there with Moses at the giving of the Ten Commandments. This is Jesus, our eternal God. Present even before creation. Colossians, I, I, I love the proclamation that Colossians makes. Um, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When it uh, calls him the firstborn of all creation, this isn't to suggest that, that Jesus uh, somehow didn't exist and then he did exist but rather that he is preeminent, his place of prominence over creation. That he is first and foremost in prominence over creation. Hebrews echoes all of this. If we start in the very beginning of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So Hebrews also starts, much like John's Gospel, in first orienting us to who is Jesus? Well, the first thing we want to establish is he is first and foremost over all. He is superior over all. He is sovereign over all. He is eternal God. Creator God, so that we, we understand then that you and I, we're, we're here right now because of a word that God spoke to bring about creation. We're here living on this planet and we, you know, we talk about buying land, selling land, buying this, buying that, and owning this and owning that. And, we, and the truth is we own none of it. It all belongs to Him. And so that is where we start. We start with an understanding that we don't, we, we don't live on our planet. We live on His. Right? We are, we, we are uh, we're, we're just tenants here. He is the owner. That's how Hebrews starts out in verse 10, then it echoes a couple of psalms as it, as it quotes them. In verse 10, 11, and 12, it says, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Then as we go on in chapter, chapter 2, uh, verse 10 of Hebrews, it says, For it was fitting that He, for whom and by whom all things exist, is bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So here, again, as, it's beginning now to dis- as Hebrews is beginning to talk about Christ as Savior, Again, it says that he, it's he, for whom, that is for whom and by whom all things exist. Very similar to what Colossians says. So why is this so important for us to understand? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. If we are to be a people who biblically live out our faith in Christ, 
Why is Hebrews 11.3 here? You know, we have verse, verse 1 and 2 make total sense, right? We're, we're given a description of what faith is. And then verse 2 says, and it's the people who, all, the, all, the, all of those who are ancestors and by faith, they're commended for their faith in God. And then the rest of Hebrews 11 goes on to list out who those people were. But in between that, we have, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. One of the things that we're reminded by Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 is that uh, this little what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. All that there is to be known and understood is not just the things that we can see, touch, hear, taste, and measure and quantify with our, all of our devices, measuring devices of different sorts. But that there is a, a uh, we live in a world that came from nothing by the word of the Creator. And so when we place our faith in what is unseen, it is not as if we're placing it in something that is unreal. Because this very world that we live in was spoken into existence like that by a Creator, our Creator. So we have that reminder here in Hebrews chapter eleven three that our faith is is firmly in something that is real, even though we don't yet see it, see the fruition of the promises of God in full. Our faith is is us living out the conviction that we know He's trustworthy with what He said He's going to complete. But one of the things that Hebrews 11.3 also does, which is the same thing that John's Gospel does, the same thing that Colossians does, the same thing that Hebrews does in the beginning, um, is aimed at, at one thing. You know, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 14 and 15, it, it, it uh, says, but set apart in your heart Christ as Lord. It is pointed to establishing for us, ground zero for us as believers is, He is Lord of all. Lord over all creation. Holy and righteous judge of all mankind. He was before all things. He's present today. And He is present forever. Who was and is and is to come. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Before we were here, he had been here a long time. He's here right now. And he's going to be here when these bodies give up. This is at the heart of the message that's coming through to us through Hebrews. That Christ is superior over all. And so by this understanding then, by this faith, we understand that the universe was created. The word universe there is is a reference to all that is. 
Everything that exists was spoken into existence by him. So, when we think about trusting him, we, I think it's important for us to take a cue from the scriptures. Let's begin in our hearts with the same place that the scriptures begin. Genesis 1.1. 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means God set in place an established order of things. And oddly enough, when we get further into Genesis, into chapter 2 and 3, he actually didn't take an opinion poll of Adam and Eve to see how he should run things. He established an order and then invited Adam and Eve to step into that order. To have fellowship with Him and to understand the blessing of living in relationship with Him in His created order. Now as we go along through the Scriptures, we find that the real problems ensue for humanity when mankind decides we want to change that created order to serve our purposes. So one of the things that Hebrews 11.3 reminds us in pointing out once again for us that it is He that we believe in in whom our faith is, is firmly and well placed that we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. That what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It it orients us towards who it is that's in charge. Who is the sovereign one over all of this? Whose word is it that that was present in the beginning and is going to be present when we're gone? Whose word is eternal? Whose word has power and authority? Who is it that made all things and to whom do all things belong? He exists eternally, and independent of us. That is uh, super important to understand. God doesn't exist because I believe in Him. God doesn't exist because we get together and we form doctrinal statements that say He exists. God doesn't cease to exist if we change our minds. He exists eternally and independent of us, yet He loves us so much that He was willing to send His Son to ransom us out of sin and death and into eternal life with Him. To bring us into His family. To make us worthy of being a child of God. So as it relates to us persevering in our faith then, making sure that we first have set Him apart in our hearts as Lord of all is an important first step to us persevering in our faith in Him. There's a lot of stuff in this world, as you know, that just is, is going to go sideways as you live your life. There's going to be disasters. Uh, there's there's going to be illnesses that come out of nowhere and tragedies and people who uh, uh, betray you, and 
I mean, there's just going to be a slew of, of, of things that are going to come at you through this life. If we don't have someplace firm to stand, we are going to be just whipped around and tossed every time these things come our way. We're going to be pushed in so many different directions trying to figure out how to navigate it. I think of Jesus as he, as he rolled into Jerusalem and he looks, looks at the people and it says he's moved with compassion because he sees them for what it really is going on as, as, as harassed and helpless sheep. Have you ever seen a, a herd of animals get pushed around by a predator? Uh, at first, they just keep their distance. And as the threat continues, they start to get pretty erratic and freaked out. They get confused Sometimes they run in circles. Sometimes they just they'll they'll run right off of uh, a cliff or through through things that you thought they'd never be able to make it make their way through. Um, they do some just really crazy things trying to stay away from the predator, and the herd gets really confused. And I mean, you you can tell nobody's thinking straight here, right? Jesus is looking out over the people and, he said, and he, he's moved with compassion because he sees them as sheep that are being chased around and harassed, confused, not knowing where they're going, but running in all sorts of directions trying to figure it out. And that is what we will be if we have not been firmly planted on the understanding and the conviction that God is God of all. He is sovereign over all, over all circumstances, over all powers and authorities, over all. And upon that we find a firm rock to stand. Psalm 111 verse 10 says it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The fear of the Lord is a right understanding of who He is. To understand that it's Him who's, who created all this, it's his, it's his world that we live in, that these bodies we walk around in were given to us by Him, that He sustains all things, that for Him all things were made, that we answer to Him, ultimately all of us will give account to Him for how we lived, for, uh, for our sin, for whether or not we believed in His Son whom He sent for us. And so the fear of the Lord, having a right understanding of all of that, then gives, is the, uh, that's the very beginning place for true wisdom to flow. If our wisdom flows from our own understanding, we're going to end up with some pretty wacky uh, conclusions. And as we look around today and we see so much confusion over things like sexuality, marriage, family, um, we see so much confusion over that. And the place it first begins to go astray is when we don't acknowledge God as being Lord over it all, that He has a created order that He established. And when we abandon that, 
we, we, we essentially expose ourselves to become like that herd of sheep that gets chased around and gets confused and erratic and, and sometimes does some really stupid things. Being convinced that that's what we ought to do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that we, um, I think we have it here. We have that one. Well, we know it, don't we? We'll just, I'll turn there so I don't botch it up myself because this would be the time where I'd totally mix it up there. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your make pa- uh, straight paths. So it, this is very similar to Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Uh, Don't confuse make straight your paths with make your life easy. But rather make straight your paths in that you know where you're going. You know how to get there. And while there may be some tough things in in the journey... Uh, you have a right understanding of the path that you're on and how, how to get where you clearly are, are supposed to be going. A straight path, an uncomplicated or unconfusing one. I guess compli- uncomplicated may not be the totally right word here. Um, but uh, uncomplicated in terms of at the soul level, we know who is sovereign over all. We know who sustains us through everything. When God has the proper authority in our lives, our lives will also be ordered by Him. Our paths will be made straight. The confusion in our world will begin to, in in our personal understanding, um, the confusion that exists maybe even at the soul level for us, will begin to go away when we begin to establish Him as Lord of all. So Hebrews, the whole rest of the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, is the examples of people who lived out this understanding that that, uh, God is God of all. That He's trustworthy, that He's faithful, that He's true, that He's eternal. And so when you and I, when we think about how we live each day, when we think about how we pray, um, when we think about how we steward our resources, um, all, all of this stuff, if we grasp that we're just caretakers and sojourners in this place, we're people passing through, passing through either to heaven or hell, we're passing through to, our, to the, one of those two destinations based on whether or not we've rejected or accepted His Son by faith. Then we first come to acknowledge Him as God of all. Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. How does Jesus teach them to pray? Well, I would submit to you that he begins kind of where the scriptures begin, kind of where John begins his gospel, kind of where Paul begins his letters, 
Kind of where Hebrews begins. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do I have more than that? Oh, that's just, oh we just have verse 7. Sorry, that's my fault. I didn't give it, give it to them. All right, well, I'll read it to you. From verse, uh, verse 8 goes on like this. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Okay, so He's all-knowing. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So before He ever teaches His disciples to ask for the things that they need each day, and to give thanks for that, he first orients them to, all right, first understand who you're talking to. The Lord of all. The Sovereign One. The Holy One. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. My question to you is as you as you think about this as you read Hebrews chapter 11 and get to verse 3 and it, where it says by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible and then goes on to give us an example of all of those who have so uh, so faithfully trusted in God and persevered in their faith in him I want to I want to ask you a very important question. Have you settled in your heart who is Lord? Specifically, have you settled in your heart that it is he that is Lord? That it is Christ who is Lord. Lord of your life, rightfully Lord of your life. Rightfully the one who has uh the rule and reign over your own heart and soul, over your life, over your decisions over your thoughts, over your words, um, over your home, over your family, over your job, over every part of your life? Have you rightfully settled that He is the worthy King over all of that? Do you honor Him as Lord over all? Or do you honor Him as Lord over part? I think that is the example given to us in Hebrews is that the generation of Moses honored him as Lord over part. That they trusted him in some things to a certain point, but were not faithful to trust in him and persevere in that. Let us be a people who honor him as Lord over all. Let us worship him as Lord over all. Let our souls be convinced of this. I want to close with with David's prayer from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. King David. Um, You'll hear echoes in here of, if if you've ever studied the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels, you'll realize, wait a minute, the way we say the Lord's Prayer together isn't actually the way it's written, the way that Christ totally teaches the whole version that we that we pray together isn't in the scripture but you'll find echoes of parts of it that that Jesus didn't really uh 
that we won't find included like in Matthew's gospel there, for instance, and that is the tail end where, of the, the Lord's prayer where we honor him together as Lord over all. To him be the glory and power and dominion forever and ever. We've, we hear this in King David's prayer. And I want to close with this for all of us, that every single one of us would, would join in this prayer together. That in our hearts we would be praying this together. That if you have not come to a place where you've given your life to Christ, that you would pray this from the deepest part of who you are to acknowledge Him as Lord over all. To give your life to Him and submit to Him. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please join, uh, stand and join us for uh, closing worship. Trust in Him.
over the last few weeks here, you know, one of my prayers is that God would awaken the hearts and souls of believers specifically um, to recognize him for who he is. That those amongst us who have professed faith in Christ would wake up to this Christ that we profess to believe in, to understand truly who he is how glorious and splendor, how worthy of our worship, how worthy of our lives to be submitted to his leading and to his lordship. And that out of that would flow a calling to, um, to unbelievers. That as we as believers repent of our own sin, that we as believers, as we wake up to who it is that's really in charge, and submit our lives to Him, that collectively we would live lives that is a convinc- that are a convincing testimony to the those who are living among the harassed and helpless, spiritually speaking. There's a a story I once heard of a young lady leaving work late at night in the snowstorm. She walked out to her car and got it started up. Snow cleaned off the car and. Roads were bad, and so she saw a plow truck, so she started to follow the plow truck, having the wisdom of her father that said, you know, if you ever get in that situation, follow the plow truck, you'll at least have a clean road to drive on. And after about 45 minutes, the plow truck stops, the guy gets out, comes back, and says, ma'am, is there anything I can do for you? And she said, well, I'm just trying to get home. Uh, I knew to follow the plow truck, and he said, well, that's that's fine, ma'am, but it's probably going to be another hour before I get this parking lot cleared off. <laughs> the, the reason I tell you that 
is hopefully a humorous way for you uh, to understand this point, and that is the world is looking for direction. And it's grasping in all sorts of directions, like sheep who are harassed and helpless without a shepherd. We have a shepherd. We are not among the sheep who are harassed and helpless, who don't know where we're going. We know he's leading us to green pastures, beside quiet waters, living waters. And if we will set a convincing testimony by our words and our actions, by the way we live, then the world will have some firm direction to go in as we set that example for them. So let our lives be a convincing testimony to the confused world around us. Lord, bless and keep you and help you to walk in his ways.